With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Emma Berman, Berman of Luca. Emma, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk right, let's get right into this specifically enough, the experience. Did you ever think you'd get to experience something as great as this when you started out doing voices and stuff like that, that you would get a part like this? Oh my God. It feels like I'm living a dream. I could have never imagined anything like this. This is just so awesome that I made this incredible movie and I'm just so grateful for this uh, opportunity. I would have never in a million years ever imagined that I would be in a Pixar movie because uh, these Disney and Pixar movies are what I grew up with, you know? So this is, this is an absolute dream come true. It's, it's definitely an absolute dream come true because it's something that, you know, you look and you watch and say, could I be part of this? And especially when you see a lot of the cast is, you know, famous people on some of these, these uh, Pixar films and stuff like that to be part of this is just amazing. So let's talk about oh, yeah. the premise of Luca for people that have not seen Luca and then your character. Yeah. So Luca is about, it's just, it's, it's, it's an inspiring story about uh, the friendship between three friends, Luca, Alberto and Julia Luca and Alberto are sea monsters, and Julia, my character, is a human girl. And Luca and Alberto travel to the seaside town where Julia lives, called Porto Rosso, um, and they have to keep their secret of being sea monsters, but they do want to explore and, and learn new things, and um, it's a story about self-acceptance, and they, and they learn to accept themselves by the end. And Julia, it sounds like she was the one who really accepted these guys, right? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, Julia totally accepted them. Um, she saw them for the good people that they are, not not looking at them uh, being sea monsters, you know. And she she's such a loyal friend, even after that she knows that they are sea monsters, she still stays loyal to them and still cares about their safety. So uh, that's definitely one of her really cool traits is that she's incredibly loyal and she definitely um, accepts them. And if people like Italy, they're going to love this, even not just not just uh, kids, but adults, right? Oh, totally. The animation and everything, it's, it's so vibrant and it's beautiful and colorful. And you totally feel like what it's like to spend a summer, of Italy, summer in Italy. And it's so beautiful. You get all the wonderful vibes from uh, this beautiful Italian little seaside town. It's it's definitely a wonderful movie to watch, especially if you like Italy. And, and it'll totally make you want to go. And that's so true, Emma, because when you want to go to something like that, say, okay, and especially the ability to travel now, what a perfect time uh, to learn. What did you learn most about Italy being part of this film? I learned, well, I got to uh, talk in some Italian. I got to do the dialect and the accent. And what I learned is that Italian has such a beautiful melody to it. I never really knew much about um, the language. And after listening to 
uh, people say talking in Italian and listening to people singing in Italian, I could I just could tell it was such a beautiful, harmonious, melodious language. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's just really great to see the old culture that's part of the film. And you think that definitely the film, from what I've heard, has done a tremendous job, uh, Emma, in showing truly what uh, Italy's about in so many ways. The way they that's always oh, Disney totally. able to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, I guess, um, the experiences, because I like to always go back and really think of it as you as an, an actor and think about what did you learn most from filming this, being part of this, would you say? Well, something that I think I learned and I think that we can all learn, at least from my character, from Julia, is that um, she's just so hardworking, you know, and if she inspires us to work hard and she's such a loyal friend and she's a good daughter and a good friend and everything. And I think she just teaches us all and inspires us all to do and be those incredible things. And something that I learned in the process of recording uh, about myself is um, I, I learned how to trust my instincts as an actor because uh, lots of times Enrico would, Enrico is the director, Enrico would let me uh, he would let me improvise on some of the lines, like we would record what the script says, and then he would uh, say, like, uh, say this line however you would say it. And so that really taught me how to trust my instincts as an actor with the improv that we were doing. And you guys have some events coming up too, right? Talk about a little bit about the events uh, that are coming up with the release of, of it now available for everybody. Yeah, so actually today I'm going to Pixar Putt. I'm in New York right now, and I'm going to go to Pixar Putt today, which is like mini golf, and it's opening a section for Luca. And so I'm really excited to uh, be there opening that. Uh, so that's uh, something that's happening for the uh, release of it on digital and Blu-ray. And I'm really excited that it's going to come on on DVD and, and Blu-ray because um, – it has these deleted scenes or like these extras uh, from the movie that were not included on Disney Plus. And so it's really exciting that people are going to see these, uh, these little snippets of scenes that could have been in the movie but weren't. And so it's really something in it for everybody. If you didn't watch it on Disney Plus or you don't have Disney Plus, this is a perfect opportunity to watch it. And if you do have Disney Plus, it's still really cool to have it and watch it because of these deleted scenes and these really cool extras. Well, absolutely. And you no, know, and everybody wants to watch it again. And how much do you can't wait for your friends to see that might have not watched on Disney Plus yet to have that? Or you have anything planned after you get back from New York to have another celebration of so everyone can see the film and your opportunity? That oh, you yeah, totally. 100 percent. Lot, lots of my friends, we we all watched it together and that was really fun. But I'm glad that my friends who uh, don't have Disney Plus, uh, well, my grandparents, they don't have Disney Plus, and so I'm going to go over to their house, and we're, we're going to set up the DVD and the Blu-ray, and I'm so excited that they're going to be able to watch it. So it's an awesome opportunity. Do you have anything else coming up? Any other projects, Emma, coming up that you can talk about right now, or how, especially with this opportunity, I'm sure things have opened up for you even more. Uh, I am working on a project now. Um, I'm. It's a series regular role in, uh, like, a television a series animated 
uh, voiceover role. And so that's really exciting. I can't share too much about that yet, but I'm very excited for, for when I can. But for now, it's just a, it's a secret. <laughs> All right. Well, that, but that's great. See, those doors are opening up. Where can people follow you and stuff? Or what, where do you go social media wise? Uh, people can follow me on Instagram at Emma J. Berman and on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. And on TikTok, I'm Berman Emma. And so people right now, it's available now. People can go check it out. DVD, Blu-ray, all the different places. And uh, we appreciate you coming by and enjoy your time in New York. Okay? Thank you so much. I had such a good time talking to you. All right. Thanks, Emma. Take care. See you later. Okay. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. You're Bye. listening to Neil Haley's show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Celebrity Slots. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special simulcast of Freedom from Addiction, Truth Just Below the Surface of the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? And uh, we're going to go to part two with Dr. Caxton today. And, I mean, it's just been crazy in this last week of what's happening, for sure. And Truth Just Below the Surface is where we've uncovered everything before the craziness has come. Uh, Neil, the title of this program is A Frontline Doctor's Expose of COVID-19 Pandemic Part 2. And you can go back and listen to what uh, Dr. Caxton had to say on the previous uh, show at my um, podcast, which is www.freedomfromaddiction.com libson.com spelling libson l-i-b is in boy s-y-n no periods no spaces now as you remember dr caxton is one of our resident experts on covid he's a board certified internist with 31 years of experience and he is a frontline doctor treating covid patients and uh also, Dr. Caxton is an expert analyst of scientific studies, and he goes back and understands the things that you and I might not understand and tries to put it in perspective and in terms that he can write about in his books, of which we're uh, highlighting today, COVID-19 Remedies, A Frontline Doctor's View. Dr. Caxton, nice to have you on the program today. Thank you, Dr. Ernstein. Thank you. I'm going to try to remember where we left off, and I'm going to read to you a paragraph and then let you comment if you have something, and then we'll go on, okay? Sure. There is still no medical justification for vaccinating these young children, except there is a hidden agenda or it's just plain corporate greed with total disregard for true 
efficacy. Again, I must emphasize that I am not anti-vaccine. The risk of harm outweighs the benefits of mRNA vaccines to children and mRNA vaccines should never be compared to the effective immunization benefits from tetanus, measles, smallpox, or polio. We must apply the brakes on vaccinating children with these new vaccines. If we don't, then the policymakers may be psychopaths for allowing this to take place. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's um, self-evident. And the only question is, do people understand why I said that? Those vaccines, intuitively, even a 77-year-old lady does not want to take it. And so, and there's a reason, and more than 40% of the healthcare professionals don't want to take this vaccine either. So they're not stupid. It's because there's something that's sinister about the whole process. But even more importantly, the young children are developing what's called myocarditis. So uh, that's equivalent of a heart attack for young kids. And I'm going to leave it at that for now, Dr. Anderson. Okay, great. Um, I might make a point that a traditional vaccine is defined as a substance that has a dead or attenuated, I mean, it's decreased um, virus in them which brings on immunity in the host that it's injected into. These are not traditional vaccines. These are something else. And they're calling them vaccines so that the drug manufacturers can get away with no liability legally. And uh, they don't want to be sued for all the deaths and the myocarditis and all the other problems that they're going to bring on. I just want to make that point and we'll go on. You said... Proper representation of the results of treatments and clinical trials can be done using relative risk reduction, odds ratio, absolute risk reduction, or number needed to treat. Experts have chosen the last one, number needed to treat, as the best tool for evaluating treatments and clinical trials. That's what should be used in determining whether or not the new mRNA vaccines are helpful and to what extent. Arguing against this is pointless and at the same time revealing. Why revealing? Because when you look at the, uh, the Pfizer study that was published in December 10, uh, New England Journal of Medicine and the Moderna study published about three weeks later in the same New England Journal, the differences between the placebo group and the, um, the vaccinated group in those studies on the mRNA vaccines, the differences between the two groups is so small. It's so negligible. So in the Pfizer study, they looked at 21,720 vaccinated people and compared there with 21,728 unvaccinated people. In both groups, in the unvaccinated group for the Pfizer, there were 99.25% of people who were not vaccinated, who did not get sick. So with that, to get to 100%, you only need 0.75. 
99.25% of people did not get sick in the placebo group. So there's not much room for the vaccine to be shown to have any real effect or difference when compared to the placebo. So how does that then get interpreted into a 94, 95% is based on this fraudulent use of statistics called the relative risk reduction. Vaccine manufacturers use that number to deceive everybody about how effective the vaccine really is. And I stand by that. You could okay. use it in a classroom to calculate something, but in the real world, you cannot do that. And in the real world, we're seeing now that the vaccine may not be as effective, even though they're going to try to tell us it's because it's a Delta variant. They can come up with all kinds of variants. The point is that vaccine does not prevent transmission or infection. So think about this, like you said, Dr. Wynn, isn't that the job of a vaccine to prevent transmission and to prevent infection of the person that got vaccinated? And we now have a vaccine that doesn't do either one of those things. I hope they're not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, now you said, if the risk of severe adverse events, including death, is high, or if these adverse events are underreported or suppressed reports by the media, such a vaccine should not be forced on those who do not want it. Science is not tyranny. And if statistics did not support such a vaccine, it should not be given outside of clinical trials. Some may argue that absolute risk reduction is not applicable to the pandemic or to vaccines. The same could, however, be said of relative risk reduction as it overinflates what vaccines can or cannot do. Yet we know how effective measles, smallpox, and polio vaccines have been eradicating the respective infections globally. Do the mRNA vaccines have the same efficacy? I don't think the mRNA vaccines should be compared with these other vaccines. Anyone with doubts about the safety of the newer mRNA vaccines is sane and intact as a critical thinker. To be skeptic about getting the vaccine shows a level of sanity in an insane world. And yet they're, they're making everybody that has a question about vaccines sound like they're insane. What more can I say about that, Dr. Anderson? I think you, it's stated so clearly that there's nothing else to add to that. If you're thinking there's something wrong with taking the vaccine, how could something be wrong with you? Even though I've seen doctors showing and displaying their pictures have been vaccinated. It shows a level of either fear, coercion, or lack of critical thinking. Exactly. And, and I want to jump to this, Dr. Caxton. We talked about this when we studied this on your podcast, as we really did, about how the placebo effect versus the other and the vaccine, and the fact that we're forcing people to take a vaccine that might not even work with the new variant. And you're pushing people saying that this is the only way to save everyone is the vaccine. It's the end all be all. There's nothing else that can change it. 
so, so that, that that's the crazy thing. And now that if you know I don't take the vaccine, Wynn doesn't take the vaccine, we are the reason why this pandemic's back. Yeah. Well, the um, FDA has authorized um, this new treatment, um, and to to be able to get this uh, emergency use authorization, they have to do four things. Show that it's a serious or life-threatening condition, evidence the effectiveness, say that benefits outweigh the risk of disease or treatment, and four, there is no alternative. Now, we can debate the first three, but the fourth one, which they have shut down from the absolutely beginning, is they want not for anybody to believe that there are alternative methods of treating. And that's just not true. There are safe, effective, uh, inexpensive treatments that would not benefit the vaccine makers. And uh, we've had this on programs before. And you go back and uh, listen to Dr. Caxton and me talk about this. But there are things out there that you can get right today that will kill the virus if you get it. You don't have to get sick, go to the hospital, and you don't have to be put on a respirator. Now, um, so this EUA uh, that the FDA has put out allows these drug companies to mass produce these drugs at a tremendous profit to them. And that's why they have done it, possibly because of uh, greed and collusion. And uh, But whatever you want to say is the reason they're doing it. Um, do you have a, a follow-up comment on that? Uh, really, um, the main problem, I think, is greed. And unfortunately, this is one of the issues of science that I often defer back to the Bible because there seems to be an answer there hiding all along. The love of money, 1 Timothy 6.10, is the root of all evil. And when you look at the evil that has plagued us with pandemic, this pandemic, you can ask the question and you have the answer right in front of you. It was driven purely by greed. Um, and you're right. I think greed is the number one reason. And those EUA criteria Think about this. These people have become so inhuman and it begs the question, is it because they're totally ignorant or they have an agenda? That's my take on this. And is the agenda just money or is it a little bit more than just money? That's a real question. Well, I'm going to follow up on that comment with something that you wrote in the book and it's going to take me a little bit longer to, to say it, okay. but it's important. So here we go. There are major players that make up the COVID-19 industrial complex. They might be responsible for the development and spreading of SARS-CoV-2 virus and creating this pandemic. They have the money and the political clout, and they can operate at any policy shaping level of government. That will be the only theory that explains the arrogant behaviors of the officials 
at the NIH, CDC, FDA, and WHO. It may also explain the behaviors of medical journalism terrorists, as well as the current battle among scientists and healthcare professionals over treatments and methodology at the expense of people's lives. We might have a money and power greedy group co-sponsoring and developing a deadly virus on one hand and hoping to bring a magic cure to the market on the other hand. They will make trillions of dollars while putting in place the FDA guidance clause for the uh, EUD number four that hinders the competition from joining the fe uh, feast. Alas, HCQ beat them to treatment line and it had to be murdered and martyred. It reads like a Hollywood movie script. This may be the undisclosed truth behind the entire pandemic and the COVID-19 industrial complex stemming from it. While still unlikely, and I'm hoping the human race has not sunk this low, it still cannot entirely be ruled out. If this is true, then the special interest groups desiring the spread of SARS-CoV-2 in order to profit through vaccines and treatments will not want the pandemic to end. This allowing any un early unproven treatments was the only way to sustain the pandemic and the EUA. Otherwise, these quote unproven quote treatments would wipe out the entire pandemic, leaving nothing left for the COVID-19 magic bullet to eliminate and no heroes in the sponsors camps. If this is true, then this group may have invested millions or even billions to pull off this seemingly sinister plan. So even when the vaccine's efficacy and safety is questioned, they keep moving their plans forward. How? By buying the political influence of a few powerful government officials. What if their plan is to hit the rich economy of the United States with both viruses and vaccines and make four to $12 trillion? And what if they intend to release deadly variants of these viruses intermittently, requesting more mandatory vaccinations every three to nine months and sell these new vaccines? If this is the plan, then the human race is in far more trouble than the current pandemic suggests. Even if there are alternatives to treating COVID-19, a group of decision makers in government are pretending they don't exist. They act as if these alternatives are more dangerous than the vaccine or the virus. They simply ignore the available data and doctors requesting the use of early treatment alternatives. From all we've seen so far, this looks like an ironclad plan that has been put to work. If the goal is to sell trillions of dollars of vaccines to the rich governments around the world, who is gonna stop them? Making money, lots of them, is not a crime. Doing so at the expense of human lives while using unsafe treatments with high incidences of severe 
adverse events and pretending to be benevolent at the same time is a serious legal and ethical prom problem. Your comments, Dr. Taxon? Self-explanatory, Dr. Wade. Um, you think about the people that gather themselves together and someone on said, if you're not at the table, you are on the menu to be eating, basically. And when you see the pattern of things, my biggest concern is I love patterns. I like to observe patterns. And with that, everything you've said so far is that basically, and even with uh, Neil earlier, everything we've said as far back as when I started the podcast is materialized. We just didn't know the extent to which they would want to impose their vaccine insanity, or rather the safety of the vaccines. I question the safety in the book, and we can see that with the issue of safety, with the issue of greed, with the issue of captured agency and officials, everything is playing out exactly like it's predictable. You want to inject pregnant woman. I, I read an article sometime about at the beginning of the week. That's why actually the clubhouse uh, room yesterday, and it was full throughout the three, four hours. The point there is nobody in their right minds will want to inject pregnant women. But that article said, oh, now that we're thinking about it, we ought to have included pregnant women when we were doing the study on vaccines instead of waiting till now. And I paused, I wanted to respond, and I felt there's no point. There is a good reason, and it's sacrilegious to want to start a clinical trial and involve pregnant women at the beginning of that trial. And so, regardless of how great the results, you cannot wish you had put pregnant women into the, result, the clinical trial from the very beginning. And we are talking, we have the highest incidence of what anaphylactic reactions in women and myocarditis and, you know, that's serious adverse effects in young children and young adults. And yet this psychopathic thinking that I mentioned in the book seems not just to be coming to the uh, officials, but to scientists. We have some mad scientists in our midst, Dr. Anderson without compassion, without care about the yeah. human race. Right. We're reading from Dr. Caxton O'Pair's uh, new book, COVID-19 Remedies, A Frontline Doctor's View. This is a great book, and everybody needs to get a copy of it. In some respects, it may save your life. We're going to move on. And Dr. Caxton said, You'd be naive and wrong to think government officials are only concerned with scientific data and are not influenced by private entities like vaccine manufacturers. Between 1999 and 2018, Big Pharma paid about $233 million every year to senators and lawmakers. Um, uh, this was uh, stated by Dr. Oliver Walters, um, March uh, 2020 article in the Journal of the American Medical Association, 
JAMA that came to $4.7 billion over 20 years. And what does Big Pharma get in return? In 2019 alone, the U.S. government spent $369 billion on prescription drugs. That's a good return on Big Pharma's annual investment. The amount of money they hope to make from this pandemic is beyond human comprehension. Dr. Caxton. Yes. <laughs> you know, you think about it, the people are, a lot of our doctors are naive. I uh, immediately introduced me to Clubhouse. On several locations, I walked into a room, I saw some doctors, the way they were talking. Some people said they had adverse effects, some were paralyzed. And the doctors saying, you're paralyzed after the first shot, get the second shot, all kinds of things. So I never go into those clubhouse rooms. But when I do a room, some people come into my room and share the, the lack of compassion. It just brings us to this. Crazy, uh, yeah. They're thinking I, of themselves. Right. And I don't know whether they've been to Neil's room because Neil also has some super rooms in there. It's a disgrace on not just the human race, but the medical profession. But let's come back to the money side. People are not aware that the government officials are getting paid by big farmer. And if they are, they're not going to put that money into their regular accounts. They're going to set up Cayman Island accounts for them and pump money so that they can follow through with their policies. It's greed and it's exactly. It's horrible. And when you think about the amount of money in my book, the HCQ debate, I said $4.38 trillion. And people say, well, how is that possible? Just think about this. If you can vaccinate a billion people with a vaccine that's $1,000 a piece, and you say governments take over that, a billion people is a trillion dollars. A billion people vaccinated is a trillion dollars. But my calculation in that book conservatively was $4.38 trillion. The COVID-19 magic bullet calculation. And for people to understand how much is $4.38 trillion, I use the simple calculation. If you were told to make a million dollars every hour you can work, and you work the whole year, a whole year, 365 days, nonstop, and you pray to God to give you Superman strength or Superwoman strength, and you didn't sleep, you walked. And even when you took your break, they'll pay you as long as you had work. So you went to work for a whole year, and you get a million dollars an hour. You will make $8.76 billion, a million dollars an hour. And you know, nobody gets that. So a trillion dollars an hour then means, wow, you're making a billion, almost a billion dollars an hour. And as a, as a matter of fact, that $4.38 trillion is the equivalent of making $500 million an hour. And these people want to make that money in the shortest possible time from what it looks like. And it's not the money that they're trying to make. It's the lies and the lives that are what being exsanguinated, which makes me think, is it just the lies so they can make money? Or there's a depopulation agenda here. I don't subscribe to the depopulation agenda because I think that just gives conspiracy theorists who think the earth is flat and all this UFO stuff some grounds to reveal their insanity. But 
if we look carefully, you want to vaccinate pregnant women. You know, if you know the way studies are done, you're not going to think of pregnant women, except the whole idea is the pregnant women are the ones, if we want to depopulate, if we can get to the pregnant woman, we can destroy their womb, we can destroy their reproductive tract, then it begins to make more logical sense with that type of agenda of depopulation. And that's my take on that. Um, okay, we're going to move on to another important point. You said if doctors, scientists, and government officials cannot agree on what's in your best interest, you should at least have information on what you can do for yourself and for your loved ones. Yes. You, tell, you talked about um, um, oh, let's see, I'm, I'm reading from your book. Um, the mRNA vaccines designed to prevent infection unlike effective tetanus immunizations how, have now been shown not to prevent infection. That's why you still have to wear a mask after getting vaccinated. As a result of this primary failure of the mRNA vaccines in preventing infection, the pharmaceutical companies adopted the Texas sharpshooter fallacy. Well, what is the Texas sharpshooter fallacy? It's a very simple thing, and I apply this to this uh, vaccine. Remember, when, uh, when you shoot at something, and then you go over to where you shot on the wall and you draw a circle around it and you shot at several different spots on that wall and then you go there and the bullet holes, you draw nice little circles, concentric circles around the bullet holes such that when somebody else comes and looks at those holes, they think you drew the holes and you shot and you're such a good uh, marksman that you shot through the center of those circles, not knowing that it was after you shot the bullet holes that you made those circles. And that means the equivalent of pretending to be good with something that you have no idea how to do. And in this case, we looked at hydroxychloroquine. When they used it to tell us that it was ineffective, they said it could not prevent infection. Now, it's not supposed to prevent infection. It's to prevent you from getting sick if you even get infected. So that was a wrong thing to do on hydroxychloroquine. But now they brought a vaccine. The, the hydroxychloroquine is not, is not supposed to act like a mask. So you could get the inhaled uh, coronavirus. As long as you don't get sick, you should be fine. And that happened. And many of us, they use hydroxychloroquine. But for the vaccines, vaccines are supposed to prevent you from getting infection. Now, when you look at the clinical trials, they base the glory of the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccines on the ability of these vaccines to prevent people who got it from getting infected. Now people were having infections. They moved it and said, oh, no, it's not supposed to prevent you from getting an infection. But isn't that what they got approval for, to prevent you from getting the infection? So that's a lie in itself. They've moved the target. And so... They now say it's because it prevents you from getting seriously ill when you're hospitalized. I'll leave that for another day or another time. But the truth is what they claim the vaccine was supposed to do for people, it is not doing. It's not preventing infection, which is primary prevention. 
it's not preventing transmission of the virus to other people, which is secondary transmission, uh, secondary uh, protection. Thank you. Man, this is uh, really uh, Orwellian, isn't it? Um, that's what you said in your book. Yes. Uh, what's happening now is Orwellian. Science has been bought and paid for by Big Pharma, while the massive budget of the NIH to support scientific research from tax dollars gave out $31 billion in research funding in 2011. Big Pharma spent a whopping $39 billion. Most academic and medical research centers around the world benefit from these two sources of funding and will do whatever they're told to do. That's why we keep getting conflicting information from our trusted academic, healthcare, and government institutions and individuals on COVID-19. These institutions and trusted individuals tainted by Big Pharma have no intentions of publishing the truth about HCQ, ivermectin, or other alternatives anytime soon. I met the, uh, one of the uh, sponsors, his name is Steve Kirsch, who actually did the uh, study on fluvoxamine, put down a million dollars of his own money and raised another four or five million dollars uh, for COVID early treatment uh, strategies. And I don't know the details of that project, but everywhere, a lot of professors of medicine who were actually talking about uh, ivermectin, since they were able to matter uh, hydroxychloroquine, people moved to hydroxychloroquine, except when somebody like myself says, go back and look at those clinical trials. They were frauds. The information that you need is actually in those papers if you know how to analyze them. So a lot of those professors, Paul Merrick, uh, either they are ridiculed or their papers don't get published in the right journals. And so doctors who are already burnt out, half of us, pretty, pretty, pretty much in the fields that matter, are burnt out. So we don't even have the luxury of time or the patience to look at journals. And what that means is the information that's being published is published in the journals that already get a lot of money from Big Pharma. And so the editors basically are probably instructed not to publish anything contradictory to their goals and agenda to just make vaccines the only option. And there is nothing more dumb than that. People are protesting, but I think the goal should be for people to say, we want treatments, we want treatments and get on the streets and stop protesting that they want treatments, not just vaccines. It's okay, a we're, we're coming close to um, our time limit for today. So I want to, um, uh, to wrap this up by saying that I understand that Mr. Boria, B-O-U-R-I-A, who is the CEO of Pfizer and his family, has not gotten his own shot. Now, if that's the case, and uh, my sources tell me it is, what's going on here? The guy that's trying to get everybody in the country inoculated, get his shot and everything, won't take it himself? Think about that. 
the other thing that I want to uh, say is in this book, COVID-19 Remedies, Frontline Doctors View, Dr. O'Pair has prepared for you 21 remedies, non-prescription remedies that are helpful in treating the COVID-19 problem. You need to get this book to go through those 21 different type of remedies and to see what you can do even in a non-prescription form. And I applaud him for the research that he's done. Uh, Dr. Caxton, uh, do you want to, uh, in closing, uh, say anything about contacting you? Uh, yes, sure. If you uh, want to contact me, uh, you can go to drcaxton.com or just go to Facebook Messenger and leave a message there. I also use Instagram, Dr. Caxton. You can go up there, leave a message for me. I get a lot of opportunities to share uh, things with people. Uh, I don't do one-on-one -on -one consultation with people. I know the FTC is tracking everything I do and it's insane. And I'm not bothered about it because I'm not driven by greed. God has blessed me. And so the key thing I want to say is this. What do you do if you get on a bus, on a boat, a train, a plane, a ferry, and you think the person sneezing, coughing in front of you might have had COVID? This book tells you immediately what you're going to do to protect yourself by seeing what's in the book, immediately doing one or two maneuvers there or three, you are going to put yourself back on track for good health, even if you're at risk of more serious symptoms. And so I recommend people get the book, not just because it helps them, but because they're going to learn so much they can help others too, Dr. Anderson. Well, uh, Dr. O'Pair, we uh, thank you for your time today, and it's an honor to have you on this program exposing truth just below the surface. So thanks again, and uh, with that, we'll close. That's and, and absolutely. I think that the information that we're getting, and this is why this is a master uh, session to really learn again, again the dangers the vaccine understand what's happening and what he is able to bring to the table is amazing dr henderson brings unbelievable information as well reverend Wynn henderson md and this is neil haley and it's a special simulcast so i appreciate again the special simulcast of uh, freedom for addiction truth about the surface below the surface and the neil haley show take care guys please listen to the forletta podcast Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, aka El Chapo, and other related real life crime stories such as Waco. For more information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. We're back here to the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome program. Andrew Shack and Andrew Shack. And what's up, bud? Okay, this is it. Uh, that I am, as you guys know, or you may not know, or you may not care, it's my ability. I have an MDiv degree in theology from Princeton. 
and um, I am I have functioned as a Lutheran pastor, and I'm actually I'm now possibly continuing that. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is something called sonship. Uh, now these are these are concepts that uh, many people don't know about, whether they're in the church or anything else, or they don't care. Uh, mainly, that is the problem today, Neil, that people don't care about anything but themselves. I think so. Anyway, yeah. I want to talk about sonship. Uh, Paul talks about sonships, and he says that we are supposed to, we have in, 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 in his letter to the Galatians, he, he speaks about it. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he says that we are going to be conformed to the image of his son. In the letter to the Galatians, he says we will be sons of Christ. What does he mean by that? What he means is, I think, this is a very important concept for Christianity and for Christian people, or for anybody, I guess. He says we have to be grafted or become part of Jesus. He, he says that in that sense, we will be sons. What he means here, we are destined to be eternal beings, adopted into the image of Christ. That's what he means by sonship and adoption, being conformed and transformed. He talks about it in Galatians. He talks about it in Romans. Ladies and gentlemen, think about it. Jesus is saying that he wants people to be attached to him, to be part of him. That's why he calls them sons and being made into sons and part of him. That is what he says is the Christian faith. You're not like Tolstoy, is he? Is he? No, not at all. Tolstoy no. says, just love one another and that's enough. I don't know who's right. Who knows? But, exactly. but the, the, Paul says that we have to be grafted into Christ and become part of him in some way of his being. He calls it sonship. Think about it. It's in, it's in, uh, you can find it in my book, uh, essays, in the, essays on Faith, Culture, Politics, and Philosophy, in a chapter on sonship. Take a look at it and think about what it says. And also think about, I, I gave a talk, uh, ladies and gentlemen, on the, on the author of Tolstoy. I love Tolstoy. I'm a big fan of Tolstoy. And Tolstoy said that Christianity was just loving your neighbor, and that's it. He may have been right. I don't know. Who knows? Who's right? Who's wrong? All you got to do is listen to people and try to figure out what they're saying. Okay. Shackandshow.com for more information. Take care, Andrew. And uh, thanks for stopping by. It's okay. Good enough. Bye. Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.